97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com slash workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we have Matthew Potter with the HYSS Group of The Real Brokerage, a big player in the Phoenix market, to talk about how he's on pace to do 500 transactions this year. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and every month, we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more information on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag your friend below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And uh, this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Matt to answer. Ready? Ready. All right. So that was kind of a big headline, right? 500 transactions. Kind of sounds unbelievable. A little bit, a lot of people give me, I guess for lack of better words, guff about it. They're like, there's no way you can do 500 deals right. in a year. Yeah. And you can. It's actually not as difficult as people think that it is. Well, there are a couple of things that have to happen the right way. Correct. <laughs> All right. So you and I, we did our first episode four years ago. Yes. Right. It's been a while. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> so let's kind of go real quick through the early parts right, okay. about your journey, and then we'll get into like where you're at today. So, okay. First is what got you into real estate? The recession. <laughs> so I jumped in when everybody else was jumping out. I had just gotten a degree from ASU in realty studies and the market took a massive shift and I learned how to do short sales extremely quickly and started doing those and realized within about three months that I was one of the few people on the planet that could actually get them approved at that time. Yeah. So that was the quick and dirty jumping into real estate and just kind of took the bull and just ran with it at that point. So what's a short sale? Short sale. <laughs> uh, might see some more of those starting to, starting to come to fruition. <laughs> it might. Um, what it is is it's where a homeowner owes more on the home than it is worth in its current condition. So example, you have a $300,000 mortgage. Maybe the home's only worth two fifty dollars in its current condition. We submit a packet of paperwork and negotiate with the lien holder to approve the sale at the market value. Yeah. And the more recent ones you've done, I think when we've talked about it, was buying someone buying a house with VA loan. VA loans. Um, we're also doing a ton of reverse mortgages right now. Uh, home really? equity conversions. Yeah. We're doing a lot of those because 
the baby boomer population is, you know, they're at that age. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them have taken out the reverse mortgages, which in turn leaves a substantial debt on the property. And then when they pass, their heirs are kind of stuck with it, for lack of better words. So we're working out short sales on it, cleaning it up. Property goes, you know, down the line and then ultimately gets resold generally to, you know, an owner occupant. Yeah. So this was 2007, 2008? Uh, 2008. 2008. So that's when we first connected. Um, and so you're doing short sales then. And actually, I talked to people here or there. They're like, hey, you know, I got a situation where it's there upside down. It's like, oh, talk to my short sale guy. It's like, you have a short sale guy? <laughs> like, there's still a short sale guy out there. That is me. Yes. <laughs> How many short sales are you doing right now? Uh, right now, I think we have in queue, I want to say it's over 100 that we're, that we're working on right 100. now. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still... We're doing them still, just not at not at the 08, 09, 2010 numbers, but we're still doing a lot, and we are starting to see some trickles of certain areas where there's a little bit more of a concentration of them. Again, a lot of that goes to like the reverse mortgages that we're seeing right now. Okay, so you have a reverse mortgage, or you just don't have enough equity, match your guy. I'm so, your guy. Uh, how many have you done total? Short sales? Yeah. Between uh, my wife... And who's my business partner and myself and our transaction manager, Marissa, one of the greatest in the game. Um, we've done over 18,000 since 2008. 18,000 short sales. Yes. Okay, so if someone has a deal where there's not equity, how do they send that to you? Usually what I say is just go ahead and send me an email with property address, preferably the bank information and kind of numbers, what you think it's worth, what... Um, what uh what you think it's worth and then ultimately what's owed on it from there generally we're going to know within about five minutes whether or not it's going to be something that we're going to be able to work through as a short sale email address matthew at stunninghomes.com yeah so for those of you guys that don't know like i got the chance to be the guy known for short sales i go out there promote it's like guys if you're upside down let me list your properties and then i would just have matt do all the work so it was a great situation for me for many years. It was, absolutely. And I'll never forget when we sat down, had lunch, and you were like, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's go. Yeah. And, well, here we are. And back then, you were getting paid 1% on my $60,000 transaction. So $600 for, to go to the banks for, for months. Four of us to split. Before you to split. <laughs> yes. Okay, so that's what got you into real estate. Yes. Um, but, I mean, you, when you got in, when you got your license, I mean, you kind of hit the ground running real fast correct i i have one speed anybody that knows me and it is hyper there's not you know a slow down function mm -hmm. so it was one of those things we knew we were going to get licensed for about six months we were processing our short sales doing those and then all of a sudden all right hey we're going to make the move into the brokerage side and we're just going to go and i think it was our first year in real estate with no real like business plan or anything, we closed like 78 transactions. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, hey, that was cool. Let's do more. Yeah. And then it just kind of went from there. <laughs> and I remember we were talking, right? Because uh, this is around that time you're getting licensed. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm getting a license. Like, okay, that's cool. In Arizona, Nevada, and California, I was like, what the heck is that for? And now it's actually yes. helpful. Yes. Yes, it is. So, it was one of those things we were looking at it from the aspect of having those opportunity areas, like especially with our short sale business, 
that was kind of key. And now fast forward to where we are now, um, Arizona and, and particularly Nevada are two of our high concentration areas for some of our um, clients with what they're looking to acquire. Yeah. So it only makes sense where it's like, well, here we are f literally full circle. Yeah. So you guys started an interesting market. Yes. Uh, I would say right now we're pretty interesting market. Uh, so for everyone that's like watching right now, we're talking about 500 transactions. Now that's on pace for 500 transactions, but that's not all wholesale or flip. Nope. It's a combination. It's a combination. Go. So, so what, if we were to break out your, your deals, what kinds of deals are you doing and how many of each? Um, I would say I don't do a ton of wholesales. Mm -hmm. I, you know that. Um, I you don't, but the ones you do are pretty good. I look. I am a maximum <laughs> maximum return, minimal effort guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we do generally about a dozen uh, wholesales a year. Mm -hmm. um, flips right now, we haven't really been active on it, but usually we like to stay around twelve to twenty four on that as well. Everything else that we have going on right now is, well, there's institutional buyer and then our traditional. Our traditional accounts for, mm, I would say, 15% of that 500 number. The rest is our um, institutional buyers that yeah. are looking for high-quality rental homes. So like 75% of your deals Correct. are hedge funds Correct. or iBuyers. Yes. So for everyone that's watching, we're talking about how you got to here. So there's two things I want to talk about okay. is A, how you got those accounts, and B, for anyone that actually has those accounts, how to run them the right way. Perfect. Right? Because it's, it's awesome to get those accounts. Indeed. It's more important to keep those accounts. Yes. Um, because at the end of the day, there is no real emotional attachment behind it. It's business. You better handle your business and you better do it in the proper way. Right. Or, you know, you're not, just not going to work with them anymore. Yeah. It's that simple. So let's talk, let's start off with like, how did you, and for those of you guys that are going to ask, like, we actually can't say the names. We, we tried to clear it beforehand. They <laughs> said no. So we can't say the specific funds you're working with. Yes. More than one. Correct. But how did you happen to a situation where you're able to have people look you up and want you to represent them? So a lot of it goes back to our short sale days. Mm -hmm. As crazy as that is, um, it was... I believe it was either LinkedIn or it was our Stunning Homes webpage mm -hmm. where the bio was for me and my wife of, hey, we've done, you know, a bunch of short sales, da 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 To circle back on that real quick, when we were doing those, a lot of the buyers on those short sales were hedge funds. So we understood already how they worked. Which was back then, Blackstone. Pretty much, yeah. Um, what was it? American Homes for Rent. Invitation Homes, right. And Invitation Homes. Those were yeah. the three main buyers back then. Well, there were other buyers. It's just they were very under the radar. Those were the three everybody knew. Mm -hmm. So then um, fast forward, um, I got a phone call. Hey, do you want to do deals? Yes. Okay, this is what we want you to do to do deals. Okay. So you want to draft up templates like you're cool with this? Yeah, just send me what you need. About two hours later, I was doing deals. It literally started that fast. So this wasn't a situation where you were outwardly marketing to them? No, not, a, not at that time, no. This was one of those, our, I guess for lack of better words, our 
reputation had secured the initial foot in the door because of because of those six hundred dollar <laughs> referral fees that we were getting off of short sales, but because we had done such a large volume, uh-huh. that got it that got our foot in the door where it's like, look, we know you guys can handle large volume. Right. So will you work with us and help us build up and ramp up our operations? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, who's going to say no to that? Like, right. yes, absolutely. I, I want to help you achieve your goals. Um, so that's the first group. Correct. There's another group. Correct. How'd you get connected with them? <laughs> Through you, my friend. <laughs> so, ironically enough, there was a, a another facet of their business arm that we were working with, um, and we still do. And then it was, I happened to get, I think it was like a project or something that somebody had dropped in my lap and said, hey, do you know anybody? And I'm like, I don't know anybody that would be interested in this, but let me just ask, because you don't ask the answer is no 100% of the time. So I sent an email and then it was, Oh, Hey, talk to this person who then said, Hey, this is a really great find. You have more of this, bring it to us. And literally that's how it happened. So it was just that one connection that led to, Hey, yeah. All right. Keep sending those over to us. So that was a connection that we made. Correct. Which I only had that connection. Because I'm a collective genius. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. So if you guys have ever wondered, like, you know, the importance of who you know. Yes. 100%. Right? It's not just like, you know, A, you did the right things in the recession, and you did it consistently where you're still hysterically the short sale guy. Absolutely. Right? So that track record the, to, to continue doing this whole time, to have them find you, but then B, because of who you know, mm-hmm. and who you know knows mm-hmm. are you able to get a second account exactly and it's it's one of those things where i mean when it first kind of comes to fruition you kind of believe that it's not true you're like this isn't how the world works yeah it, it's not now i mean i don't know we're several years in now i don't know two three years now looking at it it's like I kind of like, there's still times I pinch myself where I'm like, this can't be real. Right. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I like tuning up our business operations and being like, okay, let's see if we can do this just a little bit better for them. Mm -hmm. Because if it's less work on their side and it's less work on my side, it's a win-win for everybody. hundred percent. And ultimately at the end of the day, they're going to continue to want to work with you if you're making it easier for them. Yep. And that, that's really what it comes down to. You know, some people, you know, are like, hey, I just want a fun buyer. And I'm like, it, it sounds fun, which it, it can be, absolutely. Yeah. But you also have to be extremely detailed and you have to go about it. It's a business. And I mean, I'm, I'm up 5 a.m. I generally go to bed 10.30 p.m. And during that entire time, I'm making sure that those things are managed and managed Top of properly. Mind. All the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. And there was a, uh, we went to IMN. Yes. Conference. One of the most eye-opening experiences of my life. Yeah. And it kind of took me back to the first time I went to an REO conference, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, walk, looking around, right? Because we paid, it was $2,800 for each ticket. Yes, indeed. Right? So you and I walk in, and I'm looking around, I was like, I am poor. <laughs> yes. 
I, I I had a whole new perspective when I left there. Right. So you think you understand how business works. You think you understand how money works, right? And guys, this is like last September. I'm not even talking like years ago. This yeah. is last no, September. No, it was October. It was November. It was November? It was November. Yeah. It was right at the beginning of November. And so we're walking around and you look at what, you know, all these hedge funds, right? All these major funds are on stage. Mm-hmm. And um, you want to talk about how that experience was and what you took away from it. So glad that you, number one, pushed me to go to that because there was a part of me that was like, oh, well, if we can't get the ticket, fine, we can't get the ticket. And Steve being, Steve was like, yeah, no, we got the tickets. Well, Jaden. Jaden did. Jaden got the sold out tickets. Thank yeah. you. Um, you were like, no, we're, we're going to go to this. So went, walked around, and it was kind of one of those things for the first day, I was just kind of taking everything in and absorbing it. Talking to lenders that were there and capital partners and things like that and just kind of getting a grasp of that. And then I think it was the last day or the second to last day when they had effectively the mega panel mm -hmm. at 5 p.m., right? which was the CEOs or the COOs of every major hedge fund that's out there. Yeah. And just listening to them speak and speak in terms where, yeah, no, we did a cash out refinance of $27 billion on this portfolio of, um, portfolio of homes. And yeah, we, you know, we're on pace to acquire 26,000 homes this year. It makes you realize 500 deals is not difficult at all. Yeah. It's not because they're doing this on a bulk stage like it's nothing. Right. And it's just like you had said, talking to the right people. And it was the people that were in that room as well. We made connections there. Those people have helped lead to those 500 acquisitions and it's helped them. Right. You know, it's helped them. It's helped the fund buyers. You know, that's so what the purpose of it was. <laughs> we didn't necessarily get any new accounts to nope. service there. Nope. But you and I came away with competing hard money companies. Yes. <laughs> so you have a hard money company now. I have a hard money company now yes. and we're competing against each other. Yes. And clearly I'm winning, but well, that, probably, <laughs> but, um, outstanding. <laughs> but it's just eye opening, right. To see the relationships and how things work and like just the different conversations that were had. There's just a different level of conversation when you go to an event where everyone's talking about how they, how their hedge funds work and like the conversations eye opening. Yes. Right. To, to see what their visions are. But also a little depressing, right? A <laughs> little bit, a <laughs> right? little bit. To know that, you know, there is no room in the future for the American dream. Correct. That's a little depressing. There's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a conundrum that I find myself in at times. Yeah. Yes, there, there is. So, all right. Um, so I want to talk about, okay, it's great. You got the accounts, right? Yes. But how do you keep the accounts? And I'm, I'm asking this in the window because, like, I used to do REOs. I used to list properties for foreclosures, mm -hmm. and it was a process, and it was yes. a, it was a whole different operation. It wasn't like, oh, I have an REO account now, I'm going to make all this money. It's a whole different, not a nightmare, but a whole different stress. Yeah. So, how are you able? What process operations you put in place to retain the accounts? So, for me, first and for, first and foremost my wife and my transaction manager are the true backbone of our entire operation. Like I, without them, none of this happens. It, it doesn't. So for me, being able to rely on number one, my wife with even kind of the document side of things, 
and then to a much deeper extent, Marissa with the documents, that keeps that bulk of it off of me. But it's we're the masters of templates, I guess, for lack of better words. And it goes back again to the short sale days. Like yeah. we autom- effectively automated an a process that should not be able to be automated. And we were able to do that. But with the hedge funds that I've learned, agents on the other side still need to feel warm and fuzzy. Like you can't just go to them and be like, hey, here's a bucket of cash, sell this house, especially if they have an owner on the other side that is emotionally vested in their home. Of course. Because at that point, it it makes it challenging. So, like, for example, like, I even looked at, like, hey, dude, I'll just go ahead and go into, you know, Podio, create an account, you know, just shoot out offers all day. That doesn't work. That works, but it doesn't work as well as doing the actual It's not as effective. Exactly. So I handle that part myself. I do. And we've kind of built what we joke around as our own MLS. A lot of agents will come to us and say, hey, look, I have a seller that needs a lease back, needs post-possession, needs something. Are you guys open to it? Well, let me let me see. Okay, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, things change over time. Um, you know, target areas, things like that, things change. But all in all, um, that's how we keep the process, like, that's how we keep it in play where it's smooth. Um, there's minimal disruption to it. And ultimately at the end of the day, like on the other side, like a lot of times transaction managers on their side, title reps on their side are like, look, we only want to work on your files. Yeah. Your guys' stuff is the cleanest and everything's always in order and docs are done before we even request them. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you send 50 less emails a day Mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot more done so if we can just send that to you ahead of time it's a win-win for having marissa definitely help with that marissa's probably like 99.87 percent of that so step one (laughs) is being easy to work with yes right and that's a combination of having an awesome template that you and your wife create yep having awesome tc who basically does everything for you. Yep. Um, it, but also having a quality buyer. Correct. Right? If you've got a buyer that's always like going back and forth, you're going to cause some problems for your business. Correct. So, and, and that that is one of the big things where, you know, no buyer is 100% all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. But when you're 99.99% of the time, man, it's it's nice to be able to step into a situation especially like a multiple offer situation or something like that with a lot of confidence Yeah, and be like, look, I can vouch for them. I've done a couple hundred deals with them. You know, yeah, there's been a couple that haven't worked out, but guess what? Those are generally because seller at the 11th hour was like, no, I don't want to sell. Okay. Well, there's, yeah, I don't really consider that a cancellation, but it is a cancellation. So step one is doing good business. So you get repeat business so that realtors are sending yep. you deals. Correct. Step two, and this is the part I find funny, is that you yes. have to call realtors, and that's like your job. Yes. That, so, that effectively <laughs> is my job. And you get paid handsomely for your job. So I, what exactly does Matthew do? I feel like, you know, like office space, like with the bobs. Like, <laughs> what exactly 
do you what exactly do? do I have people skills <laughs> yeah so what exactly does Matthew bring to the table on a day-to-day basis um the relationship of the realtors that we've worked with with being able to bridge the gap and vouch for the buyers that we have like no joke kind of like office space like literally I have the people skills um the other thing and again this is one of perfect example submitted an offer last night in the MLS it said absolutely no investor offers and I was like well we'll see about that <laughs> I submitted the offer the agent called me and said did you read the private remarks and I said yes but at the end of the day my client has asked me to submit this offer on their behalf so here's the offer why don't you want an investor offer well because investors are destroying the fabric of home ownership for the second <laughs> I was like country. okay fair enough what is your client's other option? What other offers do you have on the table right now? Well, we don't have any. Okay. Can we put a deal together? Does a deal exist here? I'm not going to lie to you. I spoke to this woman for about 30 minutes, giving her the reassurance that, look, this is a reputable buyer. This morning, while I was on my walk, 5.35 in the morning, what do I have in my inbox? Accept an offer. Yeah. That is... Being able to bridge that gap effectively is what I would say is my number one thing that I'm bringing to the table. It's the soft relationships. skills. The soft skills is the sales. Yeah. Something that you've had a lot of experience your whole life in. I, I have. I did, my, fir- my first business, I was eight years old. I sold used golf balls out of my parents' backyard of yeah. their house because we lived on a golf course. So there was something I used to do in high school that you did at a much larger scale in college, which was selling answers. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, so I did. Maybe some, some tests. Perhaps. Possibly. I, to just some of life's tests. So some entrepreneurial skills. There's, it's been there since I was a little kid. Yeah. So your ability, really, you're getting paid very well, compensated very well mm-hmm. for being a good salesperson. Correct. That's, so, that's what it comes down to. Which I totally support because I train salespeople. Exactly. So that's step two, right? So being good at your job, mm-hmm. step one. Step two is, or being easy to work with, step two is being the warm and fuzzy, Yep. right, to get your offer accepted. But step three, again, it kind of loops back to step one, is what are the things that you guys are doing? Because look, there's no shortage of funds out here. No. Or across the country. Phoenix is always ground zero for everything. For everything. Yeah. (laughs) So to be on pace to define your transactions, you have to be doing something right. Correct. So what are those things, two or three things you guys put in place to make sure that you guys are maintaining this reputation? Because, ret- again, retaining the, the, the account is actually harder than yes. getting the account. Correct. It so is. how do you retain the account? What are, what are two or three things you're doing well? So what we always focus on, and you know this about me going back to our short sale days, I never focus on the dollar amount per deal. That's the truth. I mean, <laughs> Matthew the, was doing $30,000 short sales for me. Correct. <laughs> um, lowest one I ever did was $1,500. It was a piece of land in Arizona City. I'll never forget that one. Um, so, for example, what I mean by that is we had a transaction re- recently. There was more work on the scope than expected, which it's rare that I hear that now, but when I hear it, you know, it is what it is. And they were like, look, we need a, I don't know what it was. I think it was like a $2,500 reduction to offset, you know, 
so that they could uh, they could move forward with their offer price. I went to the agent, and the agent was like, "Absolutely not, no, you hoodwinked me." And I said, "Look, with all due respect, sir, like I, I'm just working on behalf of my client. You know, you're free to answer however you see fit." Now I could have just said, "Hey, look, they're not going to do that. Let's cancel," or I can look at it realistically and say, "How about I just take a little bit less on this deal?" Mm-hmm. Because there's another hundred deals behind it. So I did that. And guess what? My client was very appreciative of that. Yeah. And a lot of times the, re- the reward for good work or hard work is more work. Yeah. And I'm good with that reward every day of the week. <laughs> so that is one of the things that I look at. I always look at, you know, I'm not going to give away, you know, all of my paycheck on every transaction. You know, it's no longer a smart business decision at that point. But if there's a situation where we're just tight on numbers, generally I'm going to find a way to make it happen and move move it forward. I yeah. don't I don't trip over pennies to get to get to dollars. Well, you and I have talked about this offline. Is the commissionectomies right? Like yep. realtors hate it, and there's some some realtors like absolutely not. I am not giving any part of my commission. Yep. I worked hard for this. I'd rather lose the deal than shave uh, fifteen hundred two thousand dollars. Yep. And principally, mm-hmm. they are correct. Oh yeah question how much they value their time principal and a quarter will get you a quarter cup of coffee that's what's going to happen <laughs> at that moment in time meanwhile i'm going to go to starbucks with my check because i closed yeah so so one right your mm-hmm. willingness to do what it takes to get the deal done to get the deal done absolutely but you know we talk about marissa and we act like she's like a magician she is I mean, she is she is what are some of the things she's done to make her like supernatural okay so she she is the queen of templates, checklists, all of that. Like, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen. And if I have learned one thing, you and I have had this discussion, is that I will get out of the way so that she can do what she needs to do. So, Mm -hmm. for example, everything is a template email to a certain extent. So she's not typing out multiple emails. It's just template, date, date, date. Boom, boom, done, done. Everything's done. She goes into the back end for a broker log. She has everything done, mm-hmm. minus pretty much a final walkthrough in a Benzer yeah. within about four hours of me dropping the transaction in. It's yeah. done. There's nothing really left that needs to be done. And then once we get word with regards to the inspections, Benzers are done. Okay, final walks are One done. One more template email. It's done. Like literally, she just... She has created such an efficient system. Last year, we got to the point where I was like, man, we're going to break the back end of this. Like, I knew that we were getting close. And mind you, she was nine months pregnant when this was happening. An unapproved pregnancy, by the way. Uh, by the way, I did not approve of that yeah. one. Um, so we had, I think that month, we closed 78 transactions, which is insanity. Yeah. She's like, wow, that was fun. Like, no joke. She says to me, wow, that was fun. And I'm like, oh, you think that's fun? Fine. Let's go for 100 a month. Like, let's see what we can do. And she's just, she's built for that, though. She just, it's kind of her, I guess for lack of better words, almost like her superpower. I mean, is she kind of like, is she just looking to optimize everything? It's like her, like, pleasure yes her superpower which she loves doing all day every day it's just optimizing optimizing making everything as easy as it can be because once she has it 
templated out and she has the system in place, she can she can do transaction management on 50 files yeah. and it's only technically half a day's worth of work. Like, yeah, there's work setting it up and doing all that. And in no way am I, you know, trying to discount that, mm -hmm. but it's with her templated systems. For me trying to do that, trying to drop a file in, man, that's going to take yeah. six hours. I'm not even going to know what to do. All the hard work done up front yep. makes everything else easier. Makes everything so smooth. Um, there was, um, we had Larry Yatch here last week, right? And mm -hmm. the former Navy SEAL. And he says like, yeah, if you don't have time to plan, you have a problem. <laughs> yep. And, and that's literally exactly how we try to run our operation yeah. is everything's planned. If there's an unexpected thing that happens, I'm honestly kind of shocked now where I'm like, well, that's, that's new. Yeah. Why is that there? So she's got it mapped out. She's got the templates, mm -hmm. right? You open escrow or you mm -hmm. have a signed contract. You send it to her. Mm -hmm. She opens escrow with all the information the title will ever need. Yep. In one email. One email. Right. Just imagine how much time you guys waste going back and forth. Email title company is this. Oh, by the way, we need this now. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, we need that now. So in one email, everything you'll ever need. Yep. Okay. So that's the second part, right? We're talking about like yep. two or three things. What's another thing? That makes that separates you from some other other agents that are representing funds. I think at the end of the day, and there's no real way to say this other than the way that I'm going to say it is, I I would like to think that people enjoy working with me. I really would because of the fact that it's no nonsense, no games. It's just a straightforward process, mm -hmm. like. I lead a boring life, dude. I, it's like really boring, like from a ups and downs and transactions standpoint. Yeah. The rest of my life is friggin' awesome. But yeah. from that, like I want it to be boring. I, I do. I think a lot of agents like that from the aspect of there's no high wire theatrics. There's no da 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 da. It's just, hey, look, here's numbers. All right, cool. We agreed. All right, we're moving it down. All right, everything's great. And they like that because let's be honest, real estate's chaotic, man. It is. It's so chaotic in so many ways. So if you can bring that calming force into an agent's, you know, arena, especially if they got a bunch of other escrows going mm -hmm. that are nuts and they don't want to deal with it, they're they're gonna come back to you so time and time again. I read a statistic. Okay. Eighty percent of realtors don't return their calls. Right. That is not me, but and okay. I used to be in the twenty percent. Yeah. I might be in the eighty percent now. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so who is answering your call? I mean, you got all these in escrow, right? You got mm -hmm. title calling you or mm -hmm. title calling somebody. You got mm -hmm. the seller's agent calling somebody. You got not a loan officer. So I guess really the so the seller's agent title company, who else would be calling you? There's this no is, lender because they're yeah, cash transactions. Right. So um, it's really? pretty much seller's agent and title. Seller's so agent those are, those are the two that I would anticipate getting a call from during a transaction. Who are they reaching when they call? Either myself or Marissa. Okay. So you will answer those calls from yep. the other agents? Absolutely. Okay. Because there's arguments, right, for being detached from it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if you're running a real business, it doesn't rely on you. There's, there's arguments for that. Yep. There are. Your argument... My, is make their life as easy as possible. My argument is no matter how much you try to automate something, it will not remove the human aspect of it. This is not necessarily a homes business. As much as we would like to think it's a mm -hmm. homes business, it's a people business. So when that agent calls me and says, Matt, 
we need a three-day extension on closing. And I can say, unequivocally, I don't even need to check. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And I've brought peace to an otherwise really crummy situation. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. So they're worried how this is going to land. Yep. And instantly you bring calm to the situation. Calm. I am. Versus if they were to call an automated line or, nope. or a call. It, if they were to call your, your transaction coordinator in the Philippines. Correct. Who may <laughs> or may not answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is the thing that they love. So you're when, bringing in the experience in, in, in a way. I mean, I'm not yep. trying to like sugarcoat this or, or, or put you up on a pedestal, but more or less like it's just a pleasant experience. Correct. And that's like, let's be honest. When you're, when, and again, I've had agents that are like, there's no way on God's green earth that you can actually pick up the phone and do 500 deals a year. And I'm like, all right, first off, you don't know me. <laughs> Second off, you don't know how my operation is mm-hmm. because I'm not fumbling with anything that's on the back end. Like yeah. Marissa's handling all that paperwork. So like once it's accepted and I've sent out, you know, hey, here you go. There's not a whole lot I have to do on that other than monitor my email box. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where once I always tell people like, all right, fine, try and find out. If you're not happy and your client's not happy, you don't ever have to sell a home to us again. You yeah. never have to. And more often than not, most agents are, yeah, hey, that was really great. Like, why would I not want to bring you future opportunities? And that goes back to the first thing we said, which is you have a lot of repeat business from repeat. other realtors. There's one There's one broker, I will not name him, but mm-hmm. there is one broker that, no joke, we have done over 80 deals just with him. Yeah. Just because he's like, just send it to Potter. Send it to him. Like, let's let's just see if this works. Because at the end of the day, if it makes it simple for his client and his client's ultimately getting what they want out of mm-hmm. the home sale, that's the important thing. There you go. Uh, so you have to rebate some of your commission, though. Correct. Now, you were scolded about this. By who? Another, a fellow realtor. Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, I am the reason that the real estate industry will fail. Um, I believe I, that. I, clearly. <laughs> um, I should be ashamed of what I'm doing. And I was like, okay, um, interesting conversation. And we can go ahead and discuss that further after closing. <laughs> right. Because at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter to you what I'm doing with right. my business. It, it shouldn't. And it's not for everybody. I understand that. There are, you know, some agents and brokers, absolutely not. No. Yeah. I want, you know, 3%, 7%, 84%, you know, whatever their guideline is. That goes back to one of our true beliefs. I'm not going to screw a deal up over a couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars. Like, yeah. if you're going to get 10 grand, but you have to give two and you're still walking away with eight, Unless you're really horrible at math, more often than not, you're going to say, yeah. you know what? That works for me. Yeah. I mean, the idea is, would you rather do 30 deals a month, mm-hmm. but only get a third of the commission mm-hmm. or two deals a month? With full commission. With full commission. Like That's, I, the, that's the calculations. I'll do 30 every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and then we might ruffle, ruffle some feathers along the way. Yeah, it happens. So we can't get into much detail here. Okay. But there was someone that was really upset with you. Which one was this? The one where we actually had to um, sit in front of a panel. Ah, yes. Um, so 
Anyway, these things happen. They do. Uh, so there was someone that was really upset, um, and uh, they 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 questioned our character. Indeed. And then they got an ethical violation. Correct. So it's too bad for him. It, um, indeed. <laughs> so you have um, a lot going on here, and then you recently moved your license. Correct. So. Why did you move your license? Um, so I always look at everything from a business standpoint, and I, I truly try to look at things as a long play. I have always been like that with everything that I do. Um, I've only ever been with one brokerage. All right. Like, Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, I mean, what was that, nine years? Nine, ten? 2008, so... Uh, oh, Christ, yeah. Well, 14? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... <laughs> Time flies by. Yeah. Um, you had said, here, how about you research this? Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And then a week later, you said, did you do any research? And I said, no. No. So then I knew because you asked me a second time, okay, this might be something I need to look into. This is not one of Steve's shiny objects. Yes. <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve is on to something here. Um. So 100% full disclaimer here. I pass that responsibility on to my wife. <laughs> a smart one. Absolutely. She, she is 100% the brains. Yeah. So I was like, hey, look through this. Give me your thoughts. Let me know what your thoughts are on it. And she was like, okay. And she loves to read and research. That's right up her alley. And she hit it hard for like three days came out of the lab, you know, looking like, okay, I got questions and we need to talk to brokers and we need to talk. I'm like, cool, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's figure it out. So we went through all of it, actually got the broker on the phone, uh, who ironically enough, we used to do her short sales Mm -hmm. back in, back in the day. So we had a good working relationship with her and said, look, these are some of our facets of business. These are some of our operations. Do these or do these not fit within your you know, your brokerage. Well, yes, they all do. Fantastic. Okay. So then I broke it down even further and looked at it. And again, I'm a long play person. I'm always looking five years, 10 years down the line. Where will I be Mm -hmm. with that? Not five minutes, five months. I don't care about that. Yeah. When I sat there and looked at it, I was like, this is a situation where I'm going to be rewarded for what I'm already doing, which is great. And I'm, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust me. I love being rewarded for what I'm already doing. But when you start rewarding me into seven figures within five to 10 years, I get a little bit more excited about that. Yeah. And I say, okay, that makes a lot of, lot of sense. And we broke it down, um, looked at it. I talked to my wife I went into it as well with our team members behind us because, you know, in our free time, we also run a real estate team. (laughs) Um, I looked at it from their aspect because ultimately at the end of the day, if it doesn't make sense to them, it doesn't make sense to me. I I want it to make sense for them too. I broke it down and I was like, damn, this is, there's no losing side to this. And that was the thing for me where finally I was like, all right, let's make the move. Let's move the team over there. Let's get acquainted with the system and get everything cooking and moving, and we can go ahead and go from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about the move. Been there a month. Um, pretty well cleared our cap within a month. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Um, 
but already starting to reap a lot of benefits and rewards out of it where again just looking at it i was like all right retrospect really wish that this would have been like five years ago because we'd be five years ahead of where we're at right now but you know what i kind of view it as being in on the ground level with something and that's always a cool place to be it is a cool place to be and and we looked at a few different options, right? Correct. So, I mean, you've been my top performer for many, many years now. So, like, anytime someone's like, hey, Steve, you should come come look at this. I was like, uh, I don't know, but let me talk to Matthew. Because <laughs> yep. if, if he says no, we're not doing it. Yep. Right? So, I mean, we looked at, at one point, Remax. Correct. We looked at KW. Correct. We looked at EXP. Correct. And we looked at Real. Correct. And this is the first time I was like, oh, this actually makes sense. Correct. And the, it was, again, it was that... sitting down with a broker making sure that all of our aspects were there and covered and they were and i was like okay there's no reason that this doesn't make sense and you know it's nice like i've already gone through it experienced it for this first month um and already seen the rewards which it's kind of almost funny seeing it because i'm like holy crap like that's awesome yeah like okay and you know i was even talking to a good buddy of mine um and he was like, you know, so why'd you make a move? He's like, you of all people. And, you know, I told him. And it wasn't even a, you know, hey, come join me. You know, I, I want you on my team. But we were sitting there talking. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, so like, can you do lunch next Wednesday or Thursday? Because I really want to sit down and understand these numbers. And yeah. I was like, yeah, buddy. Like, let, let's do it. Like, absolutely. Because if that helps you and helps your team, cool like let's do it if it doesn't i don't care i'm gonna still do deals with you right that's how this is gonna work (laughs) and it certainly helps that the db is chelsea yes absolutely someone you go you destroy those back with a long time ago and someone i met the 40 and the 40 back when we were under 40 and you know (laughs) in a few years looking in the rear (laughs) right and our friend and our friend steve valentine yep right is over there um and then we get to work with collaborate with you know ryan zolan ryan pineda and so on so uh, if you guys are interested in this, right, I mean, getting a chance to pick this guy's brain, um, I would say for sure, right, check out um, Real. Yep. Right. Joining in, in, in Matt's downline. Uh, the other thing that's really exciting to me, um, because we never formalized this, was um, we were able to hand out um, a plaque. Ah, yes. For millionaires. Correct. Right. Because I've been saying this since 2018. I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Yep. And like most people won't submit their proof. It's crazy to me. Like you have to submit HUDs to come onto the show and you have to submit proof yep. that you're a millionaire. Yep. So Shane comes on the show a month or so ago. Correct. Right. And we hand him a plaque and he's number four. Correct. He was the first person that reached out on social media and actually provided proof. Mm-hmm. To which you sent me a text message to see where the hell is my plaque. I- Facts. I, I don't even know if hell was the word I used, but um, <laughs> this is a family friendly show. It, it is. Um, I did. I sent you that text and I was like, dude, come on. <laughs> and um, it was one of, because it's one of those things. Like I said, I've, I've been with you. You've been with us through the whole journey. Yeah. Like literally from the number seven Taco Bell, that's the only meal I'm eating that day, mm-hmm. short sale days, to where we are now. And it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I was like, dude, like, you can't get a plaque. Like, yeah. Where's my plaque, bro? It was been a long <laughs> journey, right? I mean, you did my brother's short sale. I did. My dad's short sale. I did. Uh, my buddy's short sale <laughs> that uh, I was a partner on that thing, but only he was on the loan, right? 
So, I didn't even hear that part, and neither did the bank. <laughs> so, oh yeah, that's right. I'm sure statute of limitations has passed. Anyway. Seven years. We're good. Yeah. So, we've been a long ride together, and now, I don't have the plaque with me here. It's still being prepared. All but good. you and Nicole, right? Officially, yep. number five, number six. Absolutely. I'm excited about And it's it. such an incredible honor for myself. I mean, really, this is the kind of that things that excite me. Mm-hmm. So... Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I remember when you came up with this, I said, I'll be there. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew that I, I knew we'd get there. And now you're doing it like on a regular basis. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. I, I, once you come to a certain level, it's hard to imagine that you haven't always been there. And right. it's to some people that sounds almost cocky and I, I don't mean for it to sound that way, but it's like, you know, it's like when you start off with your minimum wage job when you're, you know, maybe in high school or something like that. And then all of a sudden, like, you get that first, like, job job where you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, like, I'm making, you know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks an hour. How did I ever make it before with that? And it's one of those things, like, you just want to keep pushing forward. Right. Like, it's nobody wants to go backwards on the escalator. We all want to go forward on it. Yeah. So it's so, it's so awesome to witness uh, for you and Nicole. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, one, the first, I guess this wasn't really a question. It was really more of an exclamation. 500 transactions. Um, yes, 500 transactions. Um, where can I get one of these awesome can holders? So you got to go to our Shopify. Uh, so team, I don't know where our exact Shopify link is. I apologize, but they're going to post it up on the bottom part of the screen to go check out one of these can holders. Uh, but by the way, like I actually had this in my car yesterday and, uh, I had I didn't finish my drink. Okay. And I kept it in the car. And you know it's hot here. Yeah, a little right? bit. It's a so, skosh. Yeah, so hour and a half, I came back in my car and it was still cold. Hey, that's so, that's high quality uh yeah. construction right there. That's phenomenal. <laughs> um Daryl Banks on Facebook, what is investor lift? It's um our cash buyers list, right? So you just go to investorlift.com and you can get a demo for free. Right. I, um and it's uh literally you can pull cash buyers in any market that you're in. So uh, go to investorlift.com. Definitely check that out. Uh, Vasily on YouTube. Are there hedge funds or insti- or institutional buyers in Sacramento? None that I'm aware of. And the main reason why is they tend to be in states that are more along the Sun Belt um, and a little bit more friendly on the taxes and landlord side. Yeah, I was going to say, is it about the Sun Belt or is it about the eviction laws? A little from column A, a little from column B. Um, yeah. Usually, most of them are going to play in most of the same uh, states, Arizona, Texas, uh, Georgia, Florida, the Carolinas, Indiana is a big one. Um, started to see some of them venture off into Utah. Mm-hmm. I found that a little interesting, but it makes sense as well. Yeah. Um, haven't really seen a lot of them purchasing in uh, California um, yeah, because so. of a lot of the legislation and the proposed legislation there with regards to flips and investors. And um, they flip, there's a cap or there's capital gains now on flip profits. Correct. Plus, um, I think you uh, have to hold a property a minimum of three years. And there's also the, um, what do they have in New York that they just passed in Oregon um, that you can't, Rent control. Rent control, yes, yes. Yeah, rent control is uh, very popular near the Pacific Ocean. 
it it is. It's not popular with investors. <laughs> no, it's not popular with investors. So yeah, not looking good if you're in California trying to work with the hedge funds. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm sure there are some, but they're not going to be. I'm just not aware of the any same. That are, probably not the same caliber, and probably not willing to spend the same amount. Probably at yeah. different uh, different acquisition percentages for sure. Uh, Eddie on Facebook appreciated our story about the guy that tried to report us and he got the ethical violation. Yeah, that was absolutely outstanding. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be lying if I said that that was one of the best moments of my life. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was pretty solid. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, I'm not going to say I'm the smartest guy on the planet, uh, but I feel pretty comfortable with contract law. As do I. I right. stand by my record. I have not actually lost EMD. Yeah. Um, on anything. Yeah. So there's, I have like very few hot buttons. One of them's wasting my time, right? Which is not this instance here. Uh, the other hot button is when you argue with me and you are factually wrong. Yes. And you refuse to accept it. Correct. And this is a situation where a guy was coming at us both aggressively. Correct. And educating us and talking down to us about how we don't know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so our solution to a person doesn't listen, that doesn't listen to us was to stop talking to them. It's what I do with it. Honestly, anybody, like, right. if you're not going to listen to me, well, no I remember, right? talk. remember some of the coaching lessons we had a long yes. time ago, yes. like you would, you would start arguing with people on Facebook and I yes. would say, Matthew, <laughs> well, well <laughs> yes. What was that? What was the coaching uh, lessons there? Um, PC version. <laughs> Don't don't argue with people whose minds you aren't going to change. Yes. <laughs> right. So more or less, I right, don't argue with ideas because they're going to take you down to their level and beat you with experience. Exactly. Right. So what we do with people that don't aren't going to listen is we just stop talking to them. It just saves everyone. Like they don't get aggravated. We don't get aggravated. It's a win-win. It is. It's a win-win for everybody. So. But he would not take silence I, either. I just left well enough alone at that point. Yeah. So then he started sending def defamatory. Is that the right word? Emails full of uh, language that was uh, not polite. It was defa uh, defaming. Is that the word? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Defamation. Uh, defamation. Inflammatory. Okay. Right. So they started saying all these emails about us. And we're like, well, can't do that. <laughs> That's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be kind to one another. So there was a, just kind of forward that email to yeah. uh, the ethics board. And uh, yeah, he was really upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. Schadenfreude, I believe, is the word. Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Try to show us how much smarter you are than us. This is what happens. Um, so, failure is knowledge on Instagram asks, what makes you happy? Me? Mm -hmm. Personally or professionally? Or both? Oh, let's go with both. Okay. Professionally, doing 500 deals a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Professionally is... Doing a good job for all of my clients. Um, I really do have a, I get a lot of pleasure out of the fact that I know I did a good job and there's not really anything I could have buttoned up on that transaction. Um, you know, sometimes there's situations where, you know, I may save a buyer 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 bucks and they weren't even expecting that. I take a lot of, uh, you know, uh, that makes me happy. On the personal side, I absolutely, you know, my wife and I are a huge proponent of this, and you know this. 
we've built the life that we love to live. We, um, you know, my wife is my business partner. We work together. I spend, you know, pretty much all day with her. Um, my kids are happy and healthy. They, um, are actually being homeschooled, which is a really cool, unique experience. They're really enjoying and thriving in that. Like my kindergartner is ready for second grade already. Like it's insane. Um, so those are things that really ultimately make me happy is like literally just designing the life that we are living. Like I, I couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah. I think it's absolutely true. I see on, on social media and my own one request is stop posting it. No, absolutely not. On social not. media, because my wife asked me about it, and I was like, I don't want, I don't want to live that lifestyle. I th- Who wants to live on the beach? That's stupid. On an unrelated <laughs> note, we're going to give you guys a free weekend so that, yeah. you know, you can go ahead and go on down there. Yeah, she was like, you, uh, hey, they just bought a property in the beach. It's like, that's got nothing to do with us. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Uh, all right, so on IG, Gary's asking, what's the best way to grow your buyer's list and build those relationships? So, not really... I mean, do you have a buyer's list on top of? Not really. The The number one thing that I tell people, um, because I get this a lot, a lot of people will say, I want a fund buyer. Give me access to a fund buyer. You know, it's people inherently want to go directly to the source. But you have to understand if a hedge fund asset manager is getting 30,000 emails a day, they're never going to get anything done. So a lot of times what I tell people is, you know, for you to get what you're looking for, go to the person that they've already developed that relationship with. Yeah. Come come to me. Bring a deal to me. I'll scrub it because I don't send everything over to them. Some stuff doesn't fit the buy box. It, it maybe a year. Maybe it's got a pool. Um, lease solar. Kiss of death. Um, and if that's the case... Let's not waste your time. Let's not waste their time. If it's something that's good and it looks like it fits, yeah, I'm going to send it right over to them. I mean, yeah. perfect example, got one from an agent this morning, sent it over to me. I was like, hey, yeah, this this looks great. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're looking for 475 And I was like, okay, seems fair. Dropped it in. My uh, My guy over there responded to me, I don't know, a couple hours later, we can do 470 Okay, five grand isn't going to kill a deal. We yeah. can make that happen. Went back to him. He's like, deal, done. Send me the contract. Let's go. Yeah. So a lot of times to grow your buyer's list isn't even like add, add the realtors that are working with the hedge funds as your buyer mm-hmm. and send it to them because they have the big buyers behind them that ultimately can help you with your dispositions and getting things moved, probably at numbers that you didn't even really realize were we're there for it. Right. That's the thing. Some people are like, wait, what price? And I'm like, yeah, no, they'll buy it at this. And they're like, I wanted 20 grand less. I'm like, that's outstanding. I'll send you an offer for 20 grand less then. So that's one of the things I suggest on that. So basically goes to the MLS. If you have access, if you don't have access, become resourceful, either become licensed, become resourceful. One or the other. Um, Find the agents that Mm -hmm. are working with the funds. Yep. And become friends with them. Absolutely. So I would say on top of that, another perspective as well, mm-hmm. right? Because you talk about my REO days, mm-hmm. right? Because I tried to become an REO agent and that was not easy. No. Right? Because you go and you apply the right way. You go through the front door and the front door is sealed shut. Yep. 
So what I did was I'd go, where, where are the bankers hanging out? Mm-hmm. And I would go out and I would go get drunk, right? <laughs> yep. With the bankers. Like we treated them like the attractive females at the club. We got, they were the royalty. They were the royalty. We got yep. bottle service, mm-hmm. right? Get them drunk. I mean, I would have to stagger in my hotel room at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? Like yep. I, I still remember like walking down downtown Denver amongst all the homeless people, me in my suit, all, you know, frazzled, whatever, and still waking up at six o'clock next morning to go to the REO conference, uh-huh. right? So there's two ways. I would say there's one is yours. Yep. And then B, if you were so inclined, you could go to an IMN conference, mm-hmm. find out where the hedge funds are, mm-hmm. and go get them drunk. Yeah. People Ab- business. Absolutely. It is. It's a people business. I, either model will work. One is going to get you the result much quicker than One's the faster. Other. One is much faster. Yeah. One is a high risk. Yeah. The, the especially other, the other one may lead to alcohol poisoning. Especially if they don't like alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, Eddie uh, asked this question. He's the one that appreciated our story. Okay. And I love Eddie because he's got an analytical brain. He's, a, he's actually a literal rocket scientist. Outstanding. Right? So, uh, what will it take, do you think, to take your business from 500 deals a year to 1,000 plus deals a year? Time. What tweaks, changes would you have to make to your process? I don't think I actually need to make any tweaks to my process. I think it literally will be time. And what I mean by that is, here's your perspective. Three years ago, I did, I had a good year. It was like 118 transactions. That was three years ago. Last year, I did 376. It's actually probably higher than that, but I didn't include some new builds. Whatever. This year on pace for 500. I think there's no reason I can't do 750 next year, if not 800. And then the year after that, most likely we'll go over 1,000. I want to be in the four-figure club. Can we please get Marissa at least an assistant? Absolutely. I will allow her to clone herself. (laughs) (laughs) At least get her like a VA. Yeah. Something. So... It literally or, all, all it, or a living nanny, probably. Perfect. That that would probably be the best <laughs> the best use. Yeah. Um, Vasily, again, what was your biggest win and what is your biggest fail? Biggest win? Whew. I mean, I guess it's just living life right now. Like that's literally like the biggest win is just continuing to do what we're doing right now. Um, I mean, that's a great question. I, I haven't yeah. even really thought about that actually. Um, biggest fail is, and I think everybody goes through this, or at least I would like to think maybe I'm the only person. I don't know. You and I have had this conversation when things are changing mm-hmm. and you're going from 250 miles an hour down the Autobahn to 25 in a residential zone. Don't beat yourself up when things are shifting. Um, Because I did that earlier this year. I got Mm -hmm. down on myself, down on my business, and I needed to realize that that was just what was occurring at that moment in time and that the opportunity for much larger growth was right there on the horizon. my biggest fail is getting in my headspace about that, though. Yeah. Because I did. I got in my headspace, and for probably two to three weeks, I was not my normal self, which yeah. was reflective in my work, 
reflective in my relationships. Um, and ultimately at the end of the day, um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have taken much longer walks. <laughs> um, but you know what? Hey, you live, you learn, you grow. And yeah. now looking at it, I'm like, okay, I, I recognize that mm -hmm. and can move forward from that in the event that I find myself in that space again. Yeah. And I remember having that conversation. I even shared with you like, dude, you like, you sound terrible right now. Yeah. No, I <laughs> you, did. I, you need to go and take a walk around the block or something. Yes. And I've never had to say that to you. We've been known each other for 14 years. I've never had to say that to you. Yep. And I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but you should go for a walk. Yeah, no, I was, for lack of better words, I was miserable at that moment. Yeah. Like, I was. I, and it's it's okay because, again, like, looking back on it, I'm like, okay, that was just how you were dealing with that. There's a better way to deal with that yeah. now. There, there is. Well, and this was at a time where you had one account. Yep. And that account, like, came to a screeching halt for it, a minute. It did because all their operations was changing. Yeah. So with all their operations changing. Well, I mean, this is around the time where, you know, interest rates are changing, the yep. that thing in China where that multi-billion dollar bankruptcy, like there's lots of moving parts. Yep. And they were reconfiguring. Yep. But you can feel that because you get accustomed to certain income. You Well, and it's, again, you're going 250 miles down the Autobahn and when you step off, like even just stepping off for three, four hour, or hours, days, mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, what do I do? Yeah. Like, this isn't normal. Like, right. I, I feel like I should have 20 properties under, under contract right now from this week, and I don't. So it was one of those things where it was like, ugh. And then started making some changes on my side, um, and all of a sudden it started picking back up. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, you've had your moment. Get back on the horse and get to work. Right. Uh, so he wanted both of us to answer this question. So I would say my biggest win is I get to do business with people I like, right? I mean, uh, facts at the end of the day, like if it was just about income, right? I could have slowed down some time ago. Yeah. Uh, so my win is I get to do fun things with people I like, like all day, I just kind of hang out, right? Yeah. I mean, we're creating content, we're having meetings, we're having coaching moments, right? We're yeah. talking about whatever, but we're having fun with the people we're doing it with. So I would say that's my biggest win. And our biggest fail is the flip side of that coin is uh, disappointing people, right? Is yeah. that because um, I can't name any specific failure because I've had so many failures, right? Again, we talk about shiny objects, right? Like, oh, you got hey, you got that going on. <laughs> hey, let's do this. Oh, that doesn't work. Hey, let's do this. That doesn't work, right? So there've been lots of failures, but I don't count them as failures. I count them as like learning opportunities. But the true failures, at least what felt like failure, was letting people down. Bingo. And going to what you just said, and this is one of the things that I appreciate and I know Nicole does. You've kind of been like a tester for us. Yeah. Where like, and this goes to you get to do, you know, you get to do epic stuff with people every mm -hmm. day. We love the fact that Steve's shiny object syndrome, like he's already tried 50 of these <laughs> things that don't work. So I know I don't need to try any right. of those. Yeah. So generally when you and I have conversations and you're like, hey, by the way, you need to look into this. Yeah. I take it as like, yeah, I need to look into this because if he hasn't looked at it, okay, yeah, that doesn't work. All right. right. I know at the end of the day, like, all right, I should probably look into this. And generally, just by doing that, it's like, oh, cool. Now we have more epic things we can do. Right. So yeah. stress tester, right? I get to be uh, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you, you definitely do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I guess going back to these things, right? Like, um, 
for everything you're doing because you're doing some epic things right now. Yeah. Uh, what is your why? What is the motivation that keeps you going? I mean, you know, my family, my kids, um, my team. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I've just always been a very driven person. Um, I don't like to fail. No, I don't have a problem with failing. I don't like to lose. That's the difference. I don't like to lose. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. Like, I don't like to lose. So for me, it's one of those things where, you know, hitting a hundred transactions, I was like, dude, man, that's, that's great. And then I'm like, look at all these people that are doing 300 to do 300 transactions. Then once you get there, it's like, all right, you can do more. But like at the end of the day, like without my wife, my kids, all that, I don't need to do any of this. And it's not even like they're putting a demand on me that I have to. I love providing for my family. I do. I love being, hey, all right, we get to do all this. And then in turn, we get to live a really epic life. Yeah. You know, like I, I love that. Like I, I love the house that we live in. I love the beach house that we bought. We're building a cabin. We've been able to start creating a lot more um, wealth with rentals and things like that. So it's just, that's my why of like, I want to leave, I want to leave the legacy behind. Like I do where it's like, my kids are going to need to work and they're going to work. Like, dude, I already got my 17 year old on payroll. Yeah. Um, but I want them to work intelligently and have that, that 10 years that I technically didn't have of what I'm doing now. I want them to see that and experience it as younger children. You know what I mean? So that they can ultimately, so that they can ultimately live the best life that they want as well. Yeah, what I like about that a lot is there's only a handful of people that are very clear on their purpose, mm-hmm. right? Like, we kind of get into this game, and you already mentioned, right? You're competitive, right? Yes. And we get into this game for time freedom, financial freedom. Yep. And then we play the comparison game. Oh, absolutely. Right? But you actually hang out and just spend time with your family. You get to do what you want. Yep. Um, I think COVID had a role in that. Big, big role. Yeah. Prior to COVID... I felt I needed to go on every appointment. Mm-hmm. It's me that they want. Not me they want. To a certain extent it is. It's the service that they want. I have team members that are ex- very, very good at what they do. Great at showing property. Great at sitting down, listing agents, all that stuff. They don't need to see my face. They don't. So for me, it was one of those things. COVID hit. Um, I have an autoimmune son, so COVID was taken very seriously in our house from the aspect of, I can't bring it home because I've already seen this before with, you know, Phoenix children's, I'm not going to go down that road. So it was kind of one of those things. All right, pivot, adjust. How do we still keep the business operation going, Mm -hmm. but maybe not necessarily with me being the guy that's out there. And we made the pivot and we adjusted and I still worked outside the house to a certain extent, but then kind of once we got going with the institutional side of it, it was like a lot more of our team members can ultimately handle that business. And I mean, you know, 
give away listings and buyers and left and right to them. And I'm like, here, absolutely. This is yours. Run with it. Um, you mentioned you don't like losing. No. Um, so we never really talked about, uh, I don't think on the last one, was like how close you were to the Olympics. Yes, yes. So how far were you from there? Not far away at all. So 2000, I had um, I had already qualified for Olympic trials in 99, 2000. And the summer before the Sydney Games, uh, I was swimming in practice one day, and all of a sudden it sounded like a pepper grinder in my shoulder. And it was just like, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And I took one more stroke, and I just felt this massive pop. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And, like, I swam over to the side of the pool. I got out. With one arm or both with arms? With one arm. Literally with one arm. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of doing this. Um, got over there, got out, and um, went to the, I think it was a, I don't remember what doctor it was. Went to the doctor, um, and he's like, you have tendonitis, bursitis, you have a bone impingement, and there was something else, uh, like a ligament that they had to repair. And I was like, all right, so like, how long does that take? Like a week, two weeks? Like, when can I get back in the pool? And he's like, well, it'll be six weeks before you're back in the pool, and it's going to be about a year of full rehab. And I was like, yeah, but... I got some stuff to do in August. Like, dude, I'm trying to go to the Olympics. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And I was like, oh, well, your bedside manner sucks. <laughs> um, so had that not happened, there's probably a pretty good chance I would have ended up most likely with the bronze medal um, in the 2000 Olympics. But I view, I view it this way. Had that not occurred, this entire life that I have. Right most likely wouldn't even exist. And you mentioned at some point that you got a chance to swim with Michael Phelps. Yes. So that's yeah. a cool experience. Cool experience. Gotten, I've gotten to go to the Olympic Training Center, um, swim with multiple Olympians. Um, so super cool. Yeah. So um, hypothetical. Okay. Right. Maybe not the best question to ask. Yeah, well. What would you do once the eye buyers stop or the hedge funds stop? Well... Ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to take a deep breath because, you know, I will have been running a long, hard race at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, at that point in time, what the, what the business will look like will be a little bit different. And we've already allocated funds for that side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, more than anything, we're probably going to go more in on the wholesale investment fix and flip side like we did prior to this. And we're just going to build it at a much higher level. Yeah. Um, that being said, I mean, everybody has their opinion about hedge funds and iBuyers. And, you know, there's people who think Open Door is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then there's people that think the exact opposite. Um, there's a lot of money behind these operations. Yeah. Like way more money than anybody even really fathoms. As long as homes. As long as the ability to make money exists, the funds aren't going to go away yeah. because they're also extremely well-funded by other funds that are not necessarily real estate funds, but other funds that are on the back end where it's like those are retirement accounts for a lot of people. So because of that, 
those retirement accounts aren't going to go away. All right. They still need to have a return. Yep. Um, how do you stay motivated? Uh, I don't really have a problem with motivation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Money's a great motivator. And I'm also just one of those people. I'm very, I'm just about my business. So every day I wake up, I'm motivated. I mean, I wake up, I go for my run walk, come home, got the coffee going, kids are ready for school. Um, you know, with any luck by 8 a.m., I've already got a couple deals done. Like yeah. I'm, that's just how I am. Like I'm just extremely motivated. And like I said, I mean, my wife is a big factor behind that. She pushes me, she pushes me every day to be better. And I can honestly say that she has accomplished that goal. Well, she's an incredibly strong woman to, you know, she is. Put up with you. Amen to that. Uh, <laughs> what is your superpower? Superpower. My superpower or the one that you believe that I that I have? <laughs> um, talk about both. Um, for me, I would like to believe that my superpower is, again, kind of like you were saying, the sales. Bringing it together. Bringing mm -hmm. people together. Being able to calm those waters. I think at one point or another you had equated it to... You're the open heart surgeon that has mm -hmm. to put the stitch in there. Yeah. Everybody else can handle all the other stuff. You're the one that has to put that in there, give the little snip, and then, you know, get the yeah, ticker going again. Um, so that is what I, I would like to believe my superpower is. You, on the other hand, have a, a different take on that. I don't know if you want to share it. I think you have the unique ability to tell people to go uh, take a long hike in very colorful <laughs> language. Without them really being upset about it, uh, without them um, being like, "Well, that was rude," they're like, "Maybe I should. Maybe, maybe I should go take a long hike." I I just like to help people understand how they're making me feel. <laughs> well, you can do that very very well. I think your your passion comes through when when that needs to happen. Well, and I appreciate that. Yeah. What is the greatest lesson you've learned? Nothing is forever. Uh, doesn't matter what it is. No, nothing is forever. Um, and if you rest on your laurels and you take your foot off the gas, there's going to be somebody else that's ready to jump in that car. Mm -hmm. So you better, you better just keep going at it. Slow and steady wins the race to a certain extent. But also, if you have the opportunity and somebody pulls up and, you know, the Ferrari, don't ask questions. Just get in and go. You'll figure the rest out as you go. I promise you will. Um, when we were at the IMN conference, Someone was asking me a question, right? Like, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, what is involved? Like, uh, I was like, well, this doesn't matter. Do you want to make money? It's like, yeah. It's like, okay, I'll do it. Yes. And now I, we're... <laughs> I was right next to you during that conversation. And now we're her money lenders. Yes. Uh, how that happened, I still have no idea, but it doesn't I was matter. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. This sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I mean, he, he asked the, the best question you can ask. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to make money? Yes. What does this involve for me? Not a whole lot. Okay. Done. I'm in. Where do I sign? Um, any interesting failures, favorite failures, best failures? Um, interesting failures? Not really anything that I would consider interesting. Um, fa favorite? Um, well, I mean, I had one listing that I ultimately got fired from. Um, because the buyer didn't want to purchase the home because there was, uh, what was it, polybutylene plumbing in it. Mm -hmm. 
and the homeowner was absolutely irate with me. This has been here for 35 years. You're a jerk. You know, every four-letter word under the sun. And I was like, okay, so what I'm hearing is you're not going to replace the plumbing. Um, to which I was told, no, I'm absolutely not, and I don't want to work with you anymore. And I said, perfect. Thank God. I'll send you over the cancellation. To which I did. And then two days before closing with the other agent, the polybutylene burst in the house. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. It was, one of my, it was one of my buddy's friends. Yeah. So for me, that was probably one of the favorite quote-unquote failures that occurred. How unfortunate. Yeah. Shocking. Um, on Facebook, Rhonda Salazar wants to know, what did you change personally and professionally to get out of the not-yourself days or funk you were going through? Talking about like three months ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the big thing that I did, and this goes back actually to last year, um, I started putting an emphasis, emphasis on, and our whole family did for that matter, health is wealth. Um, at the end of the day, dude, if my ticker craps out tomorrow, like that is not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So I needed to put that emphasis on it. I was getting to the point that I was feeling stressed because I quote unquote wasn't doing enough deals. Um, I had thrown the exercise regimen to the side. I wasn't doing it, which you don't realize how important that is until it's not there. And then you start it again and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. So I started waking up in the morning again, started going for my runs and walks. I think I started out with a half mile run and I felt like absolute garbage afterwards. But then later in the day, I immediately started feeling better. And I was like, you know what? Do this. And the other thing that I did was I got back to basics with my business. I literally went back to basics, talked to several of my uh, traditional clients, got some business drummed up. I think I listed like, I don't know, 12 properties in like two weeks. I mean, yeah. generally that kind of helps cure all. <laughs> um, Sales fixes a lot of problems. It does. So, you know, I got back to that. And then literally as soon as I kind of got back to that and got that where it was, everything else started taking off. And I was like, oh, cool. Like you just, sometimes you got to take a step back, get out of your own way, and then step back in and get through your process. Uh, you know, you kind of mentioned like, you know, anything can happen at any moment. Yes. And uh, I got a chance to listen to Dan Marcos, who's a consultant, a highly paid consultant. Mm-hmm. He talks about how like 80, 90% of businesses that sell, they don't sell because they want to sell. Mm-hmm. They're selling because like someone died or someone's super sick. Mm-hmm. And you have to have your position, your business position in a position to sell if you really want to take care of your family. Yep. So it sounds like you're already doing that. And I, I have that as a goal for myself a year mm-hmm. from now to have a business that if anything should happen, Turnkey and anyone can take it over. Anybody can take it over. Like I, my wife and I have talked about it. Um, my 17 year old daughter has already sat down and talked to us about it as well. As soon as she turns 18, she wants to have a real estate license. She wants to join the team because she wants to learn the workings of it. Because at the end of the day, she's, she's seen what it can provide. Mm -hmm. She knows that the opportunity is there. Um, more than anything, like you said, you know, God forbid something happens to me and Nicole. Like, God forbid. But if it does, she's in a position where she can just step in, take over it, run it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, that's leaving the legacy. Right. Like, if 
because the business at the end of the day is going to pay for everything. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, the shiny stuff is always fun. Right. But the business is going to pay for everything. Absolutely. And uh, she's going to be absolutely lethal. Yeah, dude. She's She will make me look non-existent. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Uh, so final question from Vasily is, what's your outlook for the end of the year and the following year? And what are you doing to prepare for it? Uh, my outlook, I am... I'm probably a little bit more... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't I don't believe that doom and gloom is on the horizon as many do. Mm-hmm. Um for perspective's sake, my first house, the interest rate was seven and a half percent, which was a smoking rate. Um so what I mean by that is we've been extremely spoiled by the market the last two years, especially if you're a seller. If you're a seller, like dude, you haven't had to do anything. Yep. Um, stay in your house for, you know, six years rent free. Like we don't care. Um, we're now going into a market that is, it's still favorable to sellers. And what I mean by that is instead of 50 offers, you have two or three offers on a property. Well, guess what? You still only have one house to sell. So until we're to a point that there's more houses than there are buyers, we're still in the same thing. It's just a the oven's gone from 500 down to 250. Yeah. Okay. Still hot though. Yeah. I think the other thing is, and this is something I'm sure that you would agree with me on this, Steve, or maybe you wouldn't. And, you know, it is what it is. The federal government, regardless of who is ever in office, will always do something to either prop up and or move along the housing market. Because so much of our, so much of GDP and everything is tied to it. Yeah. Like, I, I was reading something. I think it's like 46 jobs are tied to every one home sale. Think about that. That's nuts. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? There's an escrow officer, an agent, an agent. Well, I guess there's a broker and a broker and a lender. And, you know, you start calculating it out and you're like, holy crap. It's not just that, right? It's Home Depot. It's uh... Home Depot. It's Lowe's. It's. It's the guys at the timber mill, you know, all of that. And you're like, holy crap. Like, yeah, it really Loan is. officer, underwriter, processor. Mm-hmm. A lot of people involved. Home in inspector, yeah. appraiser. Yeah. Well, after the appraisers. And I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> um, all right. I want you to think uh, about something you want to leave the listeners, listeners with. Okay. A thought. And I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements. Um, guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. Helps us reach more people. Helps us create more millionaires. Uh, we do have our blueprint coming up. Go to disruptors.com slash blueprint. You're going to spend two and a half days in my office, and we're going to be going over our business and how we run our business from A to Z. Uh, and then we do have our, let's see what else we have here. Apologize. We do have Blockchain Wells. I uh, go to Steve Trang on YouTube. It's a different channel. Check that out. That's what we're talking about, blockchain. That's what we're talking about. Really, I think kind of the next phase, evolution potentially of real estate. Um, and last thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with? I mean, more than anything, just have fun with it. Yeah. Like, when I look back, and I was, I was talking to Ryan out there before this. And, like, literally, I I mean this from, like, the bottom of my being. Every day I wake up, number one, I'm grateful for the life I live. Every day. 
But there's got to be at least once or twice a week that my wife and I literally say to each other, is this really life? Is this really what we're doing and what we're able to do? And um, it is. And it's, you know, as much as I would love to sit there and say, you know, I'm, I'm Superman, I got a cape on, you know, whatever. You always told me this, like, dude, if we just take action, we'll get there. Like, we don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're just going to take action and get there. And it's true. And yeah. we did it. And it's created what, you know, where we are now. So that's like, for me, it's enjoy the ride. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the number sevens at Taco Bell is your only meal Ugh. that day. Which, dude, I'm not going to lie. Number seven, Dr. Pepper, give me three mild sauces, boom. And I wanted steak on the quesadilla all the time. <laughs> um, and my wife knew back then, dude, like she would pick that up and, you know, it is what it is. When we were working 16-hour days, that's what we did. Yeah. Um, but enjoy the process. Enjoy the struggles. Um, learn from them. And just keep moving forward. There's no reason to go backwards. There never is. Just keep pushing it forward and you'll get there. And, like, that's the thing that I love. Like, now where I'm at, I'm like, holy crap, like, I'm here. And now I'm sitting there looking at the rest of the mountain, and I'm like, well, we still got more to go. Like, yeah. let's just keep going. And that's that's what I, you know, what I always try to keep at the forefront of my mind. Like, hey, man, we've done really great, but there's so much more that we can do. There's so many more lives we can impact. And that's the other thing. It's it's not a it's it, it's a we versus me. Like it's not me. It's we. Like mm -hmm. when you do things with people, collaborate with people, and things like that, you're gonna get there light years ahead of if you try to do it just by yourself. Hundred percent. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Um, talk to my PR manager, Steve Trang. No. <laughs> well, we do have that uh, graphic, right? If they want to join you at Real, yes, uh, we have that. I would, um, I would say that um, email is usually the best way to get a hold of me. That and then the um, bingo, the link right there for uh, for real. Um, I'm excited to be bringing people aboard on that and being able to help them get where they want to be mm -hmm. because it's just frigging cool. Like yeah. it is. Like I'm sitting there looking at it. And I'm like, man, like this in and of itself will create a lot of wealth and opportunity for a lot of people. Yeah, if you're licensed and you want to work with Matthew and myself, right? Yeah. Join us. Join us. Like, like, let's have fun together. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's have fun and let's continue to grow. And then also, again, congratulations. Getting that plaque. It. We'll have that for you soon enough for you, it. Nicole. It's such an incredible blessing. It's an honor for me to make it happen. Well, we appreciate it. And like I said, I mean... You know, back in 08, who would have known? But here we are. A couple of boneheads. <laughs> hey, that, we didn't know what we were doing then. We, we didn't know what we were doing then, but we figured it out. We figured it out. Absolutely. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you for watching. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.